This week on The Prospect, I have Chad Hoppenwasser, a true rock on tour, dynamic advertising executive, sports aficionado, and a close friend. Chad and I discuss Wemby, the nostalgia of March Madness, and John Morant. And of course, Chad talks to me about his personal passion project, Life as Big Man. Chad Hoppenwasser, welcome to episode eight of The Prospect. Where does this podcast find you? Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I am in Knoxville, Tennessee, home of the balls, um, playing in the Sweet 16 on Thursday, in fact. But yeah, uh, we're working down here. Don't live down here. So the first thing I want to cover, and it's a favorite of mine, is talk to me about life as big man. Where does this idea come from? For people that don't know, walk them through life as big man. Well, um, life as big man was, uh, you know, I'm 46 years old. Um, at about 40 years old, uh, I started uh, I, I started enjoying um, docu- very annoyingly for a lot of other people in the restaurant, I guess, uh, documenting my uh, food journeys. Um, and uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I try to... Um, we talk food, we talk drink, um, we have a little fun. Um, uh, there's uh, some skit stuff in it. My, uh, It's tremendously successful in that I almost have 1,400 followers. So uh, really excited about that. It's uh, hopefully growing, you know, it's my passion. My goal is to be the greatest food blogger of all time. Well, you that fourteen hundred is a very niche audience, you know. <laughs> yes, it's a very niche audience. It's, it's like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's growing though. It's growing. I because um, like over a year ago, I only had twelve hundred ninety. So it's grown almost a hundred people in a year, which I'm really excited about. But um, I believe it takes a while to be really good at your craft, and uh, I'm about four years in. And uh, I have a ten. I have a ten-year plan. And life is big, man. Is broadcast on Instagram. Is it? Is it available on any other platform? Instagram and uh, TikTok and play. You know, I'm not as you know, but yes, it's Instagram and, t- and t- TikTok. Mostly Instagram. Well, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll give you. You know, I don't know if you've ever had somebody plug you on a podcast, but no, this is this is my first. You know, it'll be good. And and. Uh, I look forward to um, if I can gain just uh, 14 followers, you know, I can get really close to uh, it would be it would just be a tremendous it'd be a big uh, week for for me, you know. So here on the prospect, uh, we started out this journey because I was fascinated around the idea of this kid that came out of France, Wemby. Yes. And I said to myself, you know, this this kid's story might be of what they're saying the first sort of megastar um in let's call it the social media age and so i've been telling that story and tracking that story but i've been making pit stops into subject matter that i love which is all things basketball you grew up you grew up with the love of basketball and talk me through what this time of year means to people who love basketball march madness we always talk about it and i I, for some reason as i'm getting older i'm appreciating it even more watching the games and 
you know, watching these young kids uh, fulfill their dreams. So talk to me about what March Madness has meant to you as a basketball player and now as a fan. I'll start with this past week, uh, the Thursday, the first Thursday, Friday of the NCAA tur- tournament. I don't know if it gets better in sports. You're starting around noon, East Coast time. It's going till after midnight, you know, unless you're a crazy sports fan. I don't know every single team. I know, you know, a fair, um, a, a fair, a fair amount. But since you have so many games going on, um, it seems like every half hour, it's like uh, you're on the edge of your seat. Everyone's yelling. Um, as uh, you know, we talk about life is big, man. It's a great time for eating and drinking. And, uh, you know, I just find it my favorite two two days of the year. In terms of as a, um, you know, even just going back, uh, you know, when I was growing up playing basketball, uh, all of us that grew up playing in the backyard, you know, I I don't think there's any more, you know, um, for those of us, I didn't have many NBA dreams, but sure as hell I had a lot of fucking, you know, dreaming about hitting the, the shot to get to the Sweet 16. And you think about, you know, I saw yesterday that it was uh, it was like the 15-year anniversary of when Curry went crazy in that Davidson-Gonzaga game. I don't know if, if you re- remember that. Of course, yeah. yeah. I was, you know, I was already a young adult at that, at that, at that time. But, you know, it's those kind of things. I remember being at a bar when that game was playing and just everyone was just screaming like the top of their lungs. And also, if you look at this field, it's my opinion that sports reporters know are continuing to know less and less in terms of I trust what they say in terms of their sports prowess and predictions um, across all sports. But in the NCA, it's like impossible, you know, even the most knowledgeable person. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's crazy. And what's even better now is because of the way the games change is like it's the, the gap between number one seeds and 16 seeds is 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 less than we were than when we, we were growing up, you know, so it's fun. It's exciting. Crazy time to gamble. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing that I have taken away from watching these games now is the idea of real teams and not just one superstar or two superstars who dominate a game. But I've been having a lot of fun watching these games. It's it's taking me back in a in a nostalgic way. It's a happy time to think about these games. I'm excited. You know, UConn is is in the uh, is in the Sweet 16. I'm a born and bred from Connecticut. My parents went to UConn. So for my parents right now, they're excited to watch the games, you know, so it, it takes on extra meaning, I think, for people. And the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, there was a time that Chad Hoppenwasser was what they would call a prospect. Talk <laughs> me through what your experience as a young kid being a prospect and being recruited to play college basketball because you know to remind you uh, this podcast is about the idea of these young prospects that come out of high school or even middle school and these myths are created about them what was the myth of of chad hoppenwasser 
coming out of high school. Well, first of all, I'm glad this is a podcast because I look like I ate the kid from 25 years ago or however long ago it was. But, you know, in the 90s, um, I did play some high school basketball outside of uh, Philadelphia area. Um, and at that time, it was an interesting, uh, you know, AU was just sort of gaining a lot of steam at the time. And um, I, I happened to be in a very good AU team with uh, Kobe Bryant was on my team. Um, Richard Hamilton was on my team. And there was a host of other little guys that were really, really good. And um, because of that experience with playing um, at that level, um, I went to a smaller, smaller school about, you know, 50 minutes to an hour from Philadelphia that um, I was able to score a lot of points. I was... Uh, um, um, up there and all of that stuff uh, but also the experience with playing with those guys um, I also realized uh, and just from the massive amount of talent in Philadelphia though I was having some success it was um, I kind of realized where my ceiling was going to be you know so, how many how many points did you average a game in high school? Scored, and I should know this exact number. I do not know this exact number, but I scored two thousand plus points. And I think I was like really good as a sophomore in high school. Um, so I, as a freshman and sophomore, so I played varsity as a freshman and then sophomore, junior, senior. I was always you know conservatively over twenty five, which in you know twenty five high twenties, which. You know, when you're playing, uh, you know, those high school games, I don't know what they are now, but they're they're short games. You know, they're eight-minute quarters, I think they were, you know, run, run, running clock and all that yeah. stuff. So I was, you know, it was a lot of threes, a lot of threes, a lot of threes, Donnie. Yeah. What I'm fascinated about this Wemby kid is the pressure that already is on him being anointed as let's just call it this sort of next nba superstar possibly billion dollar athlete do you think he pans out the way people are talking about him yeah you, you know it's it, it's it's interesting he's how tall seven foot four five he's growing still yeah, I think he's seven four. I, I watched this Sports Illustrated like short video they did on him. Yeah, and he he looks like an alien. I yeah. mean, it's unbelievable. It's it's like it reminds me of how tall Manu Bowl looked back in the day. But then imagine this like a, a silky Manu Manu Bowl, which Manu Bowl yeah. is just. And I've been watching all like it's the amazing thing about. Uh, the way that we're able to, you know, if you remember, you know, uh, in my thing, it was, you know, uh, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe Bryant shortly after that, LeBron James and even all the through all that time, we didn't get a chance to see them play our highlights like we do now, which is obviously amazing. Um, my general thing is like he's, you know, even if you look at the NCAA tournament now, Every seven footer is playing on the perimeter, right? I was watching that pit game and that kid was tall, you know, and he's, uh, you know, he's playing purely on the perimeter. So I think when, when you watch him, his skills in terms of handling the ball, his touch, his length, it seems like he has all the tools to, uh, to be a great one. I will say if I'm going to be fully harsh on the topic is that from what I remember about LeBron at that age, he was always just so strong, you know? 
he was built like he just like I'd never seen anyone that solid. Part of the things in terms about him being anointed the great one, it's like so much of it comes down to two things beyond like obviously this uh, God-given availability is like, can he stay healthy? One. Um, And two, it's so it's so mental, right? You know, I'm sure the difference between, say, LeBron and Wemby, you know, in terms of uh, exposure and anointed the next great, great ones. But there's been so many like, you know, that uh, just had all the physical tools. But are they do they have it? Do they have it mentally? Are they willing to work? You know, and that's the kind of stuff like growing up with Kobe, right, is, you know, the one thing you saw from him. Um, you know, because the first time I ever met him was he was in ninth grade and he was very, very good. You know, already you could tell he was going to be great. The jump he made in two years was, you know, even a year or two was just insane. But I mean, that guy, you know, he lived it in a way that like um, and obviously he's been well documented. You can say the same thing for, you know, how mentally tough these guys are. Hamilton was the same way, just like so mentally tough, worked so, so hard. Um, and that's like, you just like, I don't, I don't think any of us know enough about him if he's going to be able to do that, you know? Well, it's interesting too, when I look at it, if you also, all those things you just said are key, but the other part of it is if you look at the media landscape also, yeah. every day, there is at least two shows on ESPN. It seems like people like JJ Reddick, um, the Matt Barnes, all the smoke guys, these podcasts now that talk NBA almost every day, the Bill Simmons of the world, the 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 way that these guys are picked apart and tracked, you know, you wonder if if that noise gets to you at a certain point, you know, LeBron had a little bit of it. But even LeBron, I feel like came out of almost our generation in a way. He wasn't this social media generation. You know, what do you think about the current state of like NBA media and how much this stuff is covered on a daily basis during the season and in summer now? Yeah, I mean, as far as the coverage goes, like, you could argue because if he's going to make it to the NBA, right? Well, when he makes it to the NBA, right? The real positive you could say about him is that he's literally, by the time he gets there, obviously, you know, he's going to intensify, but it's not going to go from, like, zero to 100, right? So I think that's one definite positive that can come from it. But, yeah, I, I mean... It's insane to think, truly, because it's not even because what what you're talking about isn't just like on the basketball court, right? I I mean, this kid's entire life, I'm sure, is documented by, you know, um, the hundreds, if not, you know, the hundreds of people that he passes in a day, whether he's getting, you know, a sandwich at a deli or, you know, riding his bike on the, you know, a leisurely ride. You know, I don't know if he does that shit, but, you know, like every moment, I think in his case, at least he's basically growing up with it. Does it prepare him or does it just all of a sudden, because he's lived with it for so long, break him? Whereas a lot of these other guys may have to go in from like zero to all of a sudden, you're the face of a city and a franchise. You have high school basketball, um, you know, which is obviously big, but then you AU basketball, 
and you're you're you know you're the face of your high school team, you're a big part of your AU team. The one year you go to college, or a couple years you go to college, you're the you're you know you're the the biggest name on campus. The next topic, and it's something that we've always spoken about, is the cardinal rule of not taking video in the back room of a strip club. And I say that to say, John Morant, I guess he's back tonight on the floor after an an eight-game suspension. What's your overall take on what happened with Ja and whether this is just one of those moments in his career that they'll do like a 30 for 34 and it'll be like this, you know, a roadblock that overcame his problem. Hopefully it won't even be a 30 for 30, you know? I think that being young, right, is so much more challenging. Not to even speak specifically about being in the back of a strip joint or it is so common to be, you know, living on social media. We all do incredibly dumb things when we're young. I think probably the best advice for, you know, John, to be honest with you, I mean, most of us, even famous or not famous, is, uh, you know, to not live our entire lives uh, out for the out for the masses, you know? I think hopefully he learned a less hard way. If it was my prediction, I think it's all gonna turn out okay, you know? Yeah, it seems like whatever happened or whatever he went through, maybe it scared him enough and he saw, you know, I was reading some Wall Street Journal that in essence that could have cost him or it did cost him in upwards of $30 million, you know, whether it was from endorsements, etc. And that's that's crazy to think about, you know, one video that's maybe 10 seconds costs you, you know, an upwards of of 30 million dollars. You know, you think it was 30 million just like on the contract stuff or was it endorsements or was it just like I think in the Wall Street Journal article and I didn't really do a deep dive into it, but the contention was is when it's all said and done, it would possibly be close to that amount he is he's 23 years old you know remember how you were at 23 i remember how i am at, was at 23 i mean you're really just learning in the world you know and i know it's it's a lot to put on a young man you know like so and i know listen great greatness comes with great responsibility there's been a lot of heroes that learning in the public eye can also be very good for for you know his fans as well um I, you know, growing up as a massive Philadelphia Sixers fan, you know, in terms of Allen Iverson was always, you know, press-wise, trouble-wise, uh, had some ups and downs and stuff, but he always handled it with his heart and honestly, and he's one of the most beloved athletes in Philadelphia history. Everything I've seen from him, he's saying all the right things. I think this will be a success story. And I know you're being a Philly guy. I have to ask you. What are your overall thoughts with the Sixers heading into the the playoffs and the last stretch of the season here? Thoughts, what are you thinking? Well, speaking with my heart, I think if we could stay healthy, if we can truly stay healthy, and obviously that goes with uh, our big three in that Embiid and Harden, the two most likely to get hurt, but also the two we need to stay healthy. The young Maxi, who I freaking love. Looking at the East, looking at the NBA in general, 
You know, I think we have a shot. Looking at objectively, in the NBA, you know, there's those moments where, you know, you get like the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, end of the half, when you got, you know, you're split between our second unit and first unit and all that stuff. And I, there's definitely, I mean, Boston is like so deep, right? Milwaukee, a little deeper than us, strong, but like, you know, we'll see. I'm excited for the NBA playoffs. I know your opinion of sports journalism and some of it is is not on the highest level, but is there some journalists that you look to that you think are doing some good NBA reporting that you follow on Twitter or you listen to? I, I like Ryan Rissillo's really good. You know, I have fun list I have fun listening to him. I have fun like, hey, listen. You know, I, you know. Again, I've uh, I feel like you know with Simmons. You know, I was reading his articles 25 years, 20, 20 plus years ago, and I definitely enjoy him. But I think about current sports reporters is that I think sometimes they're just saying things for headlines instead of you know giving us uh, giving us the great knowledge that um, we used to get more in the printed word. In my personal opinion, but. You know, I think also with age, you know, um, yeah, there was always, you're always very fond of uh, years before as, as it being better. But, um, you know, what, 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 what do you think about the current uh, sports uh, reporters and scene? I, you know, I still like Will Bond and, and yes, Karen Heiser. Will Bond's amazing. You know, I think uh, uh, Get Up in Greenberg in the morning. I think he's good. I do listen to Simmons. I think if I'm being honest, I prefer when Simmons is on with Rosillo. Yes. I think they have a good interaction between the two of them and such deep knowledge of that stuff. I'm amazed at how much someone like a Simmons can retain in his brain about years, you know, NBA finals and where he can throw out a date. And, you know, I couldn't tell you two years from here, you know, two years ago who played in the NBA finals, right? And it's yeah. like his brain is like a computer, which I think is a talent. Now, it seems what I'm seeing as of late is J.J. Redick and what he is doing on ESPN. He seems to be the sort of new basketball personality having his coming out party in a sense. You know what besides, I mean? Besides besides the softball interview with Bill, besides the softball and interview with Ben Simmons, I think he's done an amazing job. You know, Did he do an interview with that, Simmons recently? Yeah. He's putting the work ethic that he had in his playing career into this secondary career. And I think uh, his being so recent to the game and, and having that sort of uh, perspective is really interesting now, but I think he'll, he'll, he'll continue to grow for sure. And one final question. What are your future plans for life as big men? Hopefully uh, at least 14 of you will watch it. You know, I'm trying to have a little fun um, eating and drinking and telling some, you know, funny situ situations and stories. I'd like to, um, I'd like to go backwards and uh, see if I can make it into something long form at some point. Um, you know, a show or something, which is insane, which, um, you know, I've failed at uh, being a quote unquote influencer. So I'm thinking maybe of working, you know, trying to reverse uh, man man manufacture it. Um, 
But yeah, you know, and then and then also, you know, right now it's been a fair amount of uh, just pure eating, drinking, and uh, all that stuff. I'd like to get a little more into sort of the health aspect as like the balance between you know the fun and the health. Um, it's how the idea originally started, but you know, I think uh, I, I think I'm, I'm going to eat at a great place tonight, you know, and and. Uh, you know, just keep uh, just keep kind of go, 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 going with it, you know? Well, Chad, thank you for Hold joining up. I got a question for you. I got yeah. a question for you. How's your NCA pool doing? It's not good. I think I had, I, I think after Duke lost and then Purdue lost, I, I, I just gave up, you know? I'd have to go back and look at how many teams in the Sweet 16 I have. But I yeah. think I had Duke in the final. I really love Duke coming out of the uh, ACC tournament, and they just, you know, was you- disappointment. And then, um, funny, funny enough story on the last episode of the Prospect, I had a guy, Mike Evans, who's uh, played for Tobin Anderson at Hamilton College, and and like hated the guy. Um, to then write him a letter years later apologizing about his behavior as a player, um, you know, but Tobin with the big upset. So, you know, my bracket is done. This was a year where I came close to not filling one out and I, and I, I smacked myself in the head and I printed it out and, you know, I carry it around with me still. But, you know, uh, it, it's not good, Chad. It's not good. Well, two things. One, you know, it's funny about that writing a letter to your coach kind of goes back to what we're talking about in in youth is like, you think now, like, you know, um, in my uh, Division Three college career and, and in terms of being benched eventually, you know, at the time, you know, you're thinking it's the coach on some level. And then with a little perspective, you see it's like 99% your fault. You know what I mean? You're like looking straight in, in the mirror. So that's an interesting. You know what burned, burned me this year? I'm 46 years old, right? Born in 1976. Since 1976, do you know how many West Coast teams have won the NCAA championship? Well, I mean, UCLA, obviously, right? Well, I've, since, since 1976, three times, 1990 UNLV won, Night with Larry Johnson, 1995 UCLA won with the O'Bannon brothers, 1997 Arizona won, right? So, of course, before 1976, uh, I think okay. UCLA won I 10, got you. 10, 10 or 11. But think about that in 46 years, only three West Coast teams have won. So, I've always filled out my bracket saying, I'm staying away from the West Coast. I watched that Arizona UCLA game, right? And I'm like, these teams. I went against. I went against my entire rule. Arizona goes out early. Now you got UCLA playing Gonzaga, right? So one of them's going to go out. So in the final eight, either it's going to be UCLA or Gonzaga. And you look at the rest of the field. It feels like it's another year. Never go against your rule. Stay away from the West Coast basketball. I would have to agree. I like UCLA, though. I know. They're really good, but they lost, uh, you know, when, when you lose one, you the, the best defender in the nation. Stop, stop. <clears throat> That's true. Well, Chad, thank you for joining the prospect. I'm going to bring you on. We'll bring you back. 
when another big NBA event happens or another big sports event to get your, you know, astute analysis. Thank you very, very much for your time. It's a pleasure, uh, a pleasure talking to you, my friend. All right. Goodbye, Chadwick. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye.